to take really fast action and implement. So I'm an implementer. I got this idea in January of last year and I just ran with it. And the reason I think I was successful is because I took action and implemented it and did the things that other people won't do. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is FunNetFlip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet You know who Fun Netflip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun Netflip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fun Netflip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects Create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports, and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, Bill Allen. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing good, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. Nice to have you on the show. Bill is the owner of Blackjack Real Estate. He, in 2016, flipped 13 houses and wholesaled 54 in Pensacola, Florida, with plans to double that this year. And here's the kicker. He is an active duty Navy pilot who fell into real estate investing due to his constant military moves. So first and foremost, thank you for your service, Bill. It's my pleasure. And holy cow, you're active duty, so you've got a full-time job. You flipped, let me repeat that, flipped 13 houses last year and wholesaled 54, and now you're expanding to a new market, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Let's dig into it. You want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your focus and a little bit more about your background? Sure, absolutely. I'd say my focus is really on acquisitions, so acquiring real estate, whether then kind of deciding what to do on the back end with it. I've been honored to be surrounded by a lot of good people that I've found over this last year to hire and help me run my company while I'm flying airplanes. So it's been really nice. Like you said, I kind of fell into real estate investing with some rental properties. Then I kind of ran out of money. So I started flipping houses by myself, like one a year for a couple of years. And then I just kind of dried up on the acquisition side. I couldn't find good deals. So just started learning about marketing and going to direct mail and online advertising. How are you able to do so many deals? I mean, 13 flips and 54 wholesale deals while having your full-time job. Well, I hired a lot of people. So when it was just me, I was struggling. I couldn't keep it all together. I was spending a lot of time. I'd get up at 5 a.m. and work for two hours in the office and then go work for 12 hours flying with the students at Pensacola. And then I'd come home, give my son a bath, eat dinner with my family and put him to bed and go work for another three or four hours. 
And I was just able to scale based on hiring people. So I hired my first employee in January of 2016 and it just took off. I flipped one house the year before and I was able to do 67 transactions last year because my team grew to, I think we have 13 people now by the end of this year in 2016. 13 people. Walk us through the first hire's responsibilities and as best you can, the 13 total, all 13. Yeah, I was doing everything, but I was keeping everything too. So the first hire, I started mailing myself, doing my own direct mail. And I couldn't answer the phone because I was working 10, 12-hour days some days. So the first person I hired was to answer the phones and do the books. So she took QuickBooks from me, and she was just answering the phones and setting me up on appointments to go out to see the houses. And did she have experience in bookkeeping? She did. She did some bookkeeping for, I think it was her brother's landscaping company or something. So she did a little bit of that beforehand. And she was trying to do some wholesaling herself when I hired her. So I told her, hey, why don't we team up? I think you make more working for me than you're just struggling on your own. So come work for me. It'll be my goal to make you more money in a year than you would make on your own. Is she local to Pensacola or is she virtual? No, she's local. I met her on Bigger Pockets actually. And then I met her at some of the RIA meetings and just got to know her a little bit. And I actually had hired a woman before that who was in sales for about a month, but her husband got a job somewhere else. So I kind of was forced to find someone to fill this gap because the phones were ringing every day. And I hired her and she's been phenomenal. She's still with me and she runs the lead intake team. So we have two girls now that do lead intake and answer the phones. So she's like the manager of of the other girl right now. And I'll probably have to hire a third here soon. All right. I'll go go through the rest of the group if you want me to. Yeah, please do. So there was just me and her to start. So I realized that I could only go on appointments on the weekends. And maybe if it was bad weather and I wasn't flying, I could skip out of the office a little early. Or I could only go on two or three appointments a week usually just based on my personal schedule. And that was really hamstringing how many properties we could get under contract. So I hired a salesperson to go on the appointments. So I brought her on in the end of April, 2016. So we did no deals in January, no deals in February. We had one deal in March, one deal in April, and then we saw like six or seven transactions in May. So the back six or seven months, all those 67 transactions were in the second half of the year. For months, January, February, March, and April, how are you structuring their compensation? The woman who answered the phone, she was getting a weekly payment. So she got a weekly stipend and then she was getting a little bonus for every property that we did. The way that I did in 2016 was I set up about six months of marketing, of paying people, of this is my budget for six months, split it out and said, what can I do with it? Just assume at the end of the six months, if we don't do anything, that money's gone. And how much was that total? Oh yeah, you put me on the spot there. I was only doing about $3,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So probably 20 grand around there. All right. So you allocate 20K at the beginning of the year. You say this is six months worth of foundational building. So I get my team in place, do marketing, and then I will have my system set up. Exactly. And then if it takes me six months to get a deal, I'll be really surprised. But you know, the number's really low. The amount of people I was mailing to were low. We did that first deal, that second deal, that third deal, and everything just went back into the company to grow it. So I have a full-time job, so I didn't have to pull out money for me to spend. I had some money before we got started on some other flips that I had done and some savings. So I was in a good situation to be able to do this and focus on it and put my time and money into it. All right. Your second hire was someone to go on the appointments. You hired her, and then what? And then what I found was my database was just full of deals. I just couldn't get to them and I couldn't follow up with them. So she came on and just started dropping contract in the hat. 
we started becoming very successful because I had a team that could actually get to all of these things that were falling behind. So she became very successful very fast. And then I found a problem where now I got all these contracts, like all these purchase agreements where we're buying, I'm selling the contract to investors. I'm still dealing with the investors. I'm also still dealing with the title company. And now I just got more and more busy. So the title company, I was dealing with them nonstop problems, dealing with the sellers, dealing with the buyers, dealing with the title company. So I hired someone to take care of that. Just take the contract from purchase agreement to closing. And she just is a hourly employee, came on and just works directly with the title company and the sellers and the buyers. Why'd you do hourly versus a stipend with a bonus when you close? And we still didn't have a ton of properties coming through. So I did a minimum number of hours. And at that time, I was comfortable with the amount of money that I would pay for her because sometimes you work really hard on these transactions and they fall apart. And I want my people to be happy with what they're doing. I don't want them to be upset. I want them to stay with me a long time. So I give her a minimum number of hours. If she could work two hours and I pay her 20 hours a week, I'd be happy with it as long as we get everything done. So I budgeted out money for her and I want the people that work with me to be happy. And I found that it didn't really make sense to incentivize. I still incentivize her to close deals. So she gets a little bonus on deals closed or reviews that the company gets or things like that. So she's got little ways to make more money. But I wanted to make sure that she was making enough money to make it worth her time where she wasn't going to do something else. And then we got so many deals coming through that I was dealing with putting together these marketing emails and trying to sell the contracts and listing things on Craigslist and doing all the things that we have to do to sell these contracts. So then I brought on a guy to do just that. So all he does is deal with our buyers, build the buyers list, deal with them. And once the property goes under contract from acquisitions, they hand it over to him and then he markets it and sells the contract. Okay. So he's marketing the properties on the back end and working with the buyers. And he's also, in addition to creating the copy, posting it on Craigslist, he's communicating with the buyers. And does he see the transaction through to the closing and all those details with the title company, et cetera? No, when he gets it under contract, he gets the contract sold to the end buyer. Then he hands it off to the transaction coordinator who basically works for him. Okay. And if he needs anything, she does some of his tasking and stuff. I try to set it up a little bit like a military squadron that, that we fly. <laughs> so we have different departments now that we have enough people. So we have like a manager for each department. So acquisitions, I now have two people that go. I have three actually now that we went to Chattanooga. So three people that go out on the appointments. And one of them, they report to one person, that my first hire. And same with the lead intake team that answers the phone. Dee, my first hire, she manages the other girl that works there. So it takes me a little bit out of that management, but then if there's any big problems, it just comes up to me. All right. So let's see. So I added two more acquisitions people to, for a total of three because we just went to Chattanooga, Tennessee last week. And lead intake, we have two. I moved the books from the lead manager over to an actual bookkeeper. That's all she does is do our books. So Didi no longer does the books. Correct. And she was really upset when I took that away from her, but I said, Didi, I have to take this away from you because you don't have enough time to do it. You're going to realize that when the marketing dial gets cranked up, I need you on the phones and I can't take away from that. So we gave it to a hundred percent bookkeeper. That's all she does is books and she's great. She's virtual. She's in another state. How much does that cost for bookkeeper? I pay $50 an hour, but she's really fast and really efficient. So what I find that takes me three hours takes her like a half an hour. What's the monthly cost on average? I'm about 400 bucks a month. That's nearly a million dollar company. So I got three acquisitions people, two phone people. I brought another phone person. 
And then I built out the retail real estate team inside of Keller Williams recently, about two or three months ago. So I was referring a lot of leads. I'm a licensed agent, so I refer leads to another realtor, and I realized that I could keep this in-house and do a lot better. So I built out the retail team. So I have a team leader that works with me, and so she gets all of my flips. She lists them all, signs her in the yard. It brings in more business for our team. Zillow brings in more business for all our listings. Some of our referrals from our marketing go to her, and she gets listings that way. And then so I moved the initial transaction coordinator that I had over to her, and I brought on a different transaction coordinator for the investment side. Mm-hmm. So I have one for the retail team, and I have one for the investment side. And then the team leader on the retail team basically works with me too. Ended up hiring a project manager because all these little projects and flips that we were doing was taking up too much of my time. So I brought on a project manager a few months ago. I actually had to let her go last week. So I'm on the hunt for another Why? manager right now. The organization skills weren't there. I don't think I wasn't happy with the product that, you know, the timelines I brought her on to basically take me out. And I was actually doing more work than I was before. It wasn't getting done as fast. I could still do it remotely with the people that I had in place and it just wasn't working out. That was tough. This first person I've had to let go. So it was hard for me to do. I should have done it sooner. I did it a little bit late. I knew after a month it wasn't going to work, but I kept giving her a chance and giving her a chance. And I just had to stop. I found when you fire people, there's a sense of relief from them for the most part because they know they're not in the position that they should be in because they're not excelling and we're all really good at one or two things. And if they're not doing something that they're really good at, they're most likely not fulfilled and not enjoying it so they can go find something that they are fulfilled by. That's right. I thought that that would be the case. I was really hoping, but I think that she, I'm not sure how she feels right now, but I took care of her. I, yeah. I moved her up here. I, she made a lot of life decisions and it was difficult for me to do that, but I took care of her for an extra month and paid her for a month. So hopefully she's got plenty of time, 30 more days to find more work or, or something else. Who else haven't you mentioned? I, <laughs> I started writing down the numbers next to each of these departments, but then I just gave up because I'm really not tracking exactly how many people per department. But fortunately, I, and I suspect the best ever listeners, have a good sense of how you're structuring it. But are there any other people of those 13 that you haven't mentioned? I include myself in there, I think. Oh, yeah. So I have, a, I have two more. Yeah, I have a contractor that he's my general contractor. So he gets all the big business that we do. He's another military guy, phenomenal guy, great contractor. And he does all the big stuff. So I brought the project manager on to kind of manage him a little bit in the timeline and be more design. And then also to manage our, like we do little flips like paint and carpet, or we just buy it and resell it right away. Just turn on the utilities and put insurance on it. And that's it. So try to take all those little tasks off my plate. So what he does is he drives around to a lot of our properties and gives me bids on them. So a lot of our wholesale deals where I'm thinking about maybe flipping it ourselves or running the numbers on if I should find money for it, I pay him a monthly stipend to go because I had him driving all around town and it just wasn't fair to him. So I pay him a monthly stipend. He's on the payroll to go around to any house that I see that I want to get a rough estimate on what the repair costs are going to be just because that's a hard number. And then I can also pass that on to the end buyer and they'll be more confident that the numbers are good. I think you said there's one more. Yeah, there's one more. I have a realtor in Pensacola who all he does is run comps for my team. So I call him the inside sales guy. All the appointments that we have, he runs the comps for rentals and after repair value for each property. So I give him a monthly stipend to do that. Why don't you use your retail team to do that? I want to keep them busy. I don't want them. I'd rather have her out in front of sellers than behind the computer running comps. I don't want her doing that. I want her out doing other things. 
You want her focused. You want them all focused on a certain task, don't you? I want them all doing one thing and doing one thing really, really well. Why don't you have an assistant that usually is the first hire? That was my first hire, and it was a godsend. I feel kind of like that's what Edie kind of was, but I don't know. In fact, I just put an ad up for a personal assistant for myself right now. I just don't know what they're going to do. I'm kind of a control freak, I feel like. I've done everything myself before I let someone else do it. And it's be really hard for me to give up like reading my emails and stuff like that. I'm not exactly sure what a personal assistant for me would do. I'd love to talk to you offline about what yours does, though, because I want one. She doesn't read the emails that people send me through my personal account, but I get a lot of emails at info at joefairless.com through my website. And it's also anytime I'm interviewed on a podcast or something, I give something free away as a lead generation for people to email and then we'll tell them, hey, here's your 24 ways to get off market deals or money raising spreadsheet, whatever it is. And we'll also include you on our weekly emails that we send out. And if they say sounds great, then boom, there's another email into the community and on my list and then just build a relationship through there. And so because I get a lot of emails through that, that's just one block and tackle thing. But then I've got some unique things too based on my business, which may or may not translate to yours. And happy to talk offline about that too. I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed. I manage the people now a lot more than everything else. I still do the marketing myself. So I also want to get that off my plate and deal with a marketing manager or something like that eventually. What I do is I just kind of write down all the tasks that I have. And when I get too busy, I just get rid of like, what can I do to hire somebody to get rid of those tasks? free up some more time to give me more time to do the things that I make the most money doing. 13 people. Some listeners might think that your risk is great for if you don't get deals in the pipeline because you got 13 people that you're paying every month. How do you respond to that? I respond to that with a lot of them. I don't like fixed costs. So I don't like to hire the people that cost me money up front either. So if I don't get deals, a lot of these people don't eat. So a lot of these people get paid on incentive. So if we don't get deals in the pipeline, my payroll goes down. If we do get deals in the pipeline, I got to pay more money out, but I'm making more money. So a lot of them are incentive-based employees or contractors, I should say. So my payroll is not that big if we're not producing properties. So you're setting it up to win because as you make money, they make money. If you don't make money, they don't make as much, but I'm sure there are some fixed costs associated to having 13 people. Absolutely. But my fixed costs are not really high. So if you really look at my business, probably three or four deals a month, we'll run my business, no problem. Anything over that is profit. So, and we're doing about 12 to 15 a month. Bill, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? To take really fast action and implement. So I'm an implementer. I got this idea in January of last year and I just ran with it. And the reason I think I was successful is because I took action and implemented and did the things that other people won't do. What's the downside that you see to that approach that you took? It's a little bit risky. If it didn't work out and I said, hey, I didn't have my mind made up that I would continue and quit, I could have lost 20 grand, but I went in knowing that. So I don't think there's a lot of risk to it. If you take action, the risk is that you're afraid to fail and then you fail and then you quit. If you just don't quit and you're going to fail and just accept it and, and don't do the same thing again. At what point do you think someone who wasn't as gun ho about things as you are 
would have stopped the operation and said, okay, this isn't for me. Let me try a different approach or not do this at all. At what point in the process? Probably around the month three where I didn't have a deal. I remember sitting in my office going, man, I don't know if this is going to work. Other people told me it works and I think that it'll work, but I'm not sure. At that time, I could have just hung it up and said, well, I don't want to spend that other $10,000. I still got it in my account. I'm just going to stop and quit. Other time I see is when you get that first deal and you don't want to put it back in the system. You want to take it and go do something else with it and spend it. So you see the success and you just wonder if this is a one-off thing. So if you're getting discouraged and you've been doing it for three or four months, it's coming. I'll tell you. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here, February 24th and 25th, the conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you. Move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. Best ever book you've read? Traction by Gino Wickman. Best ever reason why you're investing now in Tennessee even though you live in Florida? Well, I actually moved to Tennessee about three months ago. So I'm just south of Nashville now for the time being. We have a son that was born in October and he had a heart condition. So he needed open heart surgery after he was born in November at Vanderbilt University. We're temporarily up here, but I wanted to pick a market that was very similar to Pensacola. And I think even if I live in Pensacola, I can invest there. So I wanted another market that's going to only do so much in that one market. So I saw an opportunity in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So there we went. Thoughts are with your son and your family, and we'll be pulling for all the positive outcomes that you and the family desire. Thank you. He's home with us now, and he's in the other room with my wife, and he's doing great. Awesome. Best ever deal you've done? We just did a great deal. It was from our marketing campaign. We got under contract for 100000 It was a two-year-old house. I didn't even have to clean it. The only thing I had to do was bring in some carpet cleaners to clean the carpets. I got a private lender in at 105000 I got a check at closing for about three grand after closing costs. And we sold it in two days for 166000 It was a good one. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, recently with my son, I like to give back to these kids with congenital heart defects. So I don't have a lot of time right now, but we do have some funds. So recently I've been supporting the Children's Heart Foundation and trying to raise money. And anybody that's ever talked to me or I've stood up at any place, I'd tell them I'll match whatever they donate. So we've been trying to give some money to the Children's Heart Foundation. What is the biggest mistake you've made so far on a deal? Hmm. I did a foreclosure deal last year that we lost about $15,000 on. It's the first house I've lost money on so far. But I knew that it wasn't going to be a good deal. And some things came up, you know. It, it was at that time where I was looking to 
be a house flipper and I wasn't doing my own marketing yet. And I got the house under contract. It was an REO online and I got another contract and the contract just kept taking too long, taking too long. I tried to salvage my earnest money deposit by sticking with it. We finally closed it. I started renovating it and the rehab costs just kept going up. And I actually said, Hey, let's just stop. We had this big plan of a big budget, 60,000. I said, look, cut the budget in half, 35 grand. Let's just get out of this thing, cut and run while we can. And we lost 15,000, but I made a good decision on cutting the budget, but just a bad decision to follow through with the house. If I, if I just walked away from the property, I would have lost a thousand bucks instead of 15. Knowing what you know now, if you were approached with that very similar situation, what would you look for to make a better decision? If somebody brought me that deal now, I just kind of laugh. Well, at not it. not that exact deal, yeah. but di- different color on the paint on, you know, on the house and different. Get, yeah, get, make sure your numbers are good and make sure you know the area that you're investing in. I did a house right around the corner from that house, and we were really successful. Made forty three thousand dollars on that house, and I realized that this house backed up to a school. There was instead of two and a half acres, we had one acre. There was just some things in that deal that just didn't stand out to me at the time that would now that I had more experience. So the one thing that I would say is maybe just if you got some other people in your market that are more experienced than you, just run it by them. Don't be afraid. I collaborate with people all the time. If I ask somebody else I'm more experienced, this is my third flip. So uh, someone else probably would have told me to probably not too good. What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? They can check out my website, blackjackre.com. So re like real estate.com. And if you guys want to buy down in Pensacola, you can get on my buyers list at pensacolacashdeals.com. And we're just moving into Chattanooga now. So you can go to chattanoogacashdeals.com if you want to buy in Chattanooga. So I'd love to have some more buyers in that area. It's always good to get on a wholesaler's list early because we don't have a lot of buyers. You can get a better deal. Mm, And if anybody wants to post, I wrote a post about my son, James. If you want to read it, it's at blackjackre.com slash James. And if you post on there a comment and you donate to the Children's Heart Foundation through one of those links, I'll match it. I promise. Cool. Well, you got $100 from me coming. I'm going to go do that right after we get done having a conversation. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you for telling us how you run your real estate business with military efficiency and going through in detail each of the people and their roles and how it's structured and why you hired them. This is going to be very beneficial for real estate investors who are building their wholesale company, building a fix and flip company or any type of acquisition company. That's for sure. So thanks so much for being on the show as well as talking about the lessons learned along the way. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.